So, hey, gang, it's Jeff Salzman. Welcome to The Daily Evolver. It's Monday, October 16th, and, you know, fresh new week, back in the saddle. And uh, I just got back from my workout, and I've been wanting to share something that I stumbled on in my workout. This is going to be a little out out of left field today, uh, and more in the category of integral practice where we practice being integral. We practice doing the things that are characteristic of integral consciousness. And I'll get to that in a second. But this is this, this thing I stumbled on is a terrific new way of doing my workout of sort of contextualizing my workout in a way that has enabled me to access reservoirs of power that I literally didn't know I had, and instantly. I mean, if I'm doing a weight exercise, I can do 30% more weight. If I'm doing push-ups or some kind of calisthenics or something, I can do 30% more reps. And best of all, I can do it with far less struggle, which is significant for a guy like me. I'm, I'm an Enneagram 5. I'm a head type. And I hate working out. I really do. And, you know, it's just a sort of a manifestation of my relationship with <laughs> actual reality, you know, the physical world in general. It's, you know, it's not my home place. So, you know, and I know that, you know, I should try yoga and Pilates and, and I've tried all of those uh, and I hate them all. So uh, it's just who I am. But and I, I don't think I'm that different from a lot of people. I mean, who loves to work out? Uh, Actually, there is one guy at the gym <laughs> who apparently does. Uh, he he's kind of a he's a he's he's a beast, and he he works out like a powerhouse. And when he's done with these like squats with these big weights on his back, he'll like slam them down and say, "Pain is the feeling of weakness leaving the body." That's what he said to me one time. And I was talking to him. I guess it's a Marine slogan, and. I never got quite got that, but at any rate, uh, it's changed that. I literally uh, feel deeply satisfied by my workouts in a way, and they're they're uh, anyway. I, I feel like I'm sounding like Tony Robbins here a little bit. I, I'm awakening the giant within, but I kind of am, and so I'll share it with you. I'll share the big secret. Here it is. Okay, although I'm at, when I'm doing my exercises, I'm at the Colorado Athletic Club, and I'm in this big gym with all these machines and weights and stuff and ellipticals and all these people working out. So I'm there, but I'm changing my interior world. And I'm actually apparently pretty good at that, and I'll get to that in a second. And I'm changing my experience by doing that. So here's what I'm actually talking about. Here's the actual practice. I sit down at the machine. I get settled. I take a breath. I close my eyes. And I imagine if I'm like, if I'm, if I'm doing a chest press, you know, I'm no longer Jeff in Boulder at a weight machine pushing the bar out in front of me. I am Jeff in my village working a pump. And that pump is pumping water for a group of about 30 children who are lined up to drink. It's not an emergency situation. It's just how we do it. 
And, you know, as I'm pumping, I can feel those kids and I can see them. I can see their faces and they're counting on me and they're loving this water. They're smiling and happy and they're playing and splashing and they're drinking and they're filling up their bottles and all of that stuff. And, and it's not just me. I am part of a line of other adults in the community uh, who are in line and they too are waiting for me to finish my turn and they'll sit down and they'll run the pump. So the adults are doing this for the kids. And so I'm no longer pumping iron, I'm pumping water for my people. And when I find that place, everything changes. It's astonishing to me. I'm not straining. I'm not rushing. I'm not hating it. I'm not weak. Uh, I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not going through the, you know, working out is an anxi- is anxiety provoking for me. I, you know, I have a lot of body anxieties. I feel this pain and strain, but that goes away because it's not about me anymore. It's about, I'm part of a system that's greater than I am. And I can literally feel the power of my body flowing through that pump into the water uh, and into the bellies of these happy, smiling children. And, you know, that's a, a, that's, that's a, a radical difference. And again, I'm stronger too, you know, I'm doing more. Uh, and, you know, I don't know about you, but, you know, the mental games <laughs> that I have played with working out for all these years, you know, I, I, if I'm doing like 15 push-ups, so I'm on push-up number three, and I'm thinking I'm a fifth of the way there, and then all of a sudden I'm a four, and I don't know what that means, but then I get to six, and, you know, I'm not quite halfway, and then seven, not quite, but then eight. I'm more than halfway. And, you know, it's this whole thing. My mind is constantly modern, monitoring my body and my pain and, you know, how maybe I can quit now or I can't do this or, you know. Eh. And the goal is just to get through it. And the idea of enjoying it was just not in the cards. And, you know, the best I could do would be, I, you know, I I'd control my breathing you know, I've had trainers and stuff who, you know, help me with that. Be mindful of the muscles. Uh, try to move the energy down from my throat uh, and chest, upper chest to my center core where I can, you know, access more of that power. And those are all terrific practices. But, you know, in a way, it's still all about me. And I've never been that successful. I never really, you know, could do them that well. But when I expand, you know, into this other situation, there's a natural intelligence that instantly comes online that optimizes my effort. And I don't have time for counting games. I'm not interested in counting games. Uh, I'm not interested in how I feel, actually. Uh, I'm interested in, you know, monitoring my power in a way so that I can stop at an appropriate time, but I'm not even interested in how many reps I'm doing. I'm going to do it until I'm done and it's time for the next person to sit down and do it. Uh, and that is, um, really been amazing to me. So let me just put that in some integral context because it really is an integral practice. 
And, you know, just to get technical for a minute with in terms of Ken Wilber's quadrants theory, what I'm doing is I am expanding my identity to include the lower quadrants, okay? So the, I'm already in the upper left quadrant, which is my own personal Jeff mind, and it is all clenched around what's happening in my Jeff body, which is the upper right, which is the pain and the strain, and I hate this, and I got this whole kvetching thing going on on the upper left, and I got the pain in the upper right, and there's this whole vicious circle about just managing that or enduring that, you know. But when I move down to the lower left, to this we space of this community of people, and I see these children and these, these, the other adults, and we're nurturing, and we have a healthy community, and we, you know, this is what we do. Uh, there's that liquid we space that we talk about, that is that, that, that louche, that space between us, that is deeply satisfying and is literally transpersonal. Uh, it's beyond your own personal. It's, it's beyond Jeff. And I'm also expanding to the lower right, which is this system, this pump, this, the kids come from after school and whatever. I, whatever. I don't even think overthink it. But there's a system going on that is very manageable that I can relate to. And it came easily to me. I didn't try to overthink it. So I'm a bigger person. I have more um, online. And, you know, in terms of the transpersonal aspects, I, I did a, a, an interview with Ken last week where we discussed his new book, The Future of Religion, fabulous new book. And uh, I haven't published it yet, but uh, I will. But he was talking about, you know, what's next in terms of the, um, you know, integral spiritual line, you know, as we move uh, through modernity and, and, and post-modernity, what's the nature of the spiritual line as we move into the integral stages and, uh, and beyond? And it gets more and more a, a flavor of transpersonal, of, of being bigger than your heart and self, that there is a softening of the ego boundaries and even of the physical boundaries. You know, there's what we refer to in spiritual traditions as a, or at least the explanation of spiritual tradition is the subject object, subject object collapse, where there is, you're just, you're, you've, you've melded, you've merged with whatever it is that you're doing. And that is a very rich and delicious space. It's, it's, it's meaningful. It's fulfilling. You're, you are accessing your genius. You're accessing your optimum power in that system because it's bigger than you. You, you, you can't get there on your own. It's the zone, basically, is what athletes uh, talk about it and, and creative people. And we've all been in the zone where we are the thing we're doing. And, oh, my goodness, there's nothing better than that. And the spiritual traditions, of course, seek to cultivate that. That's one of their main jobs. And they all do it in, in their more mystical traditions. Uh, the Christian mystics had all kinds of uh, visualizations of, particularly of just being with Jesus, of being with him during his birth and his, uh, in the garden, uh, just being with Jesus in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane and being there during his crucifixion 
and resurrection. And there's a whole, you know, panoply of meditations around that sort of thing. And of course, Buddhism is full of it. Um, uh, the, the, the Mahayana, the, 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 the more popular uh, style of Buddhism, works with the sort of meditation category of exchanging self for other, Tonglin meditation, where you are breathing in the suffering of another person and breathing out relief, which expands to breathing in the suffering of the world and breathing out relief. And there's a softening and a connection that one feels with this type of meditation. And of course, Vajrayana Buddhism, which is the you know, uh, uh, most advanced uh, and latest turning of Buddhism. And there, the key practice is guru and deity visualization, where you imagine a deity or your guru in infinite detail and you feel it you know down in your lower chakras and 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 you you know relate to this guru or deity and talk to them and feed them and have them feed you there's all sorts of things and eventually the idea is that you take on the qualities of that guru or deity and you have in so doing excuse me, broadened your repertoire of capacity of what you're able to do and, you know, and of who you are. And it's fabulous. And, um, you know, it begs the question, is this really happening or, you know, or is this an imagination? Are you actually relieving the suffering of the world when you do Tonglin meditation? Are you really contacting deities that have an ontological status, that they're they're there whether you're relating to them or not, so to speak? And um, and that's an interesting question and an advanced practice uh, that um, you sort of have to work your way into. Uh, But here's Thomas Merton talking about that. And I I love how he put it. He said, and of course, Thomas Merton is a 20th century, mid 20th century, uh, great mystic, Christian mystic. That he said, in simple terms, the nativity of Christ the Lord in Bethlehem is not just something that I make present by fantasy. Since he is the eternal word of God, before whom time is entirely and simultaneously present. So I'm going to say that again. He's the eternal word of God before whom time is entirely and simultaneously present. So therefore, the child born in Bethlehem sees me here and now. That is to say, I am present to his mind. It follows that I could speak to him as one present not only in fantasy and imagination and visualization, but in actual reality. The spiritual contact in real time with the Lord, I'm adding that real time part, but the spiritual contact with the Lord is the real purpose of meditation. And, you know, of course, it's the same feeling behind communion where you, you know, see yourself as literally uh, drinking the blood of Christ and eating the body of Christ. And that it is trans, what's the word? Substantiated or something in your body at any rate. 
Um, there's no question that whether or not you're actually adding to the morphogenic groove of the of the world, uh, and I think you are, you know, in the sense that thoughts are things, even the fantasy, even the visualization itself is, you know, being laid down in the, you know, grooves of humanity. And that's a good thing. Now, whether or not it's dealing with the ontologically present Jesus or deities, um, I think we have to work our way into that. And I actually haven't, so I don't really know, but they say that it's worth the trouble. So at any rate, um, you can uh, you could try different visualizations. <laughs> I actually have two now. Uh, I, I was, first of all, happy that the first one that sort of arose in my consciousness when I was sort of playing with this was this, this the idea of the village and the children and the water. I mean, a pump is sort of a natural thing when you're pumping iron. And, and I was happy. And it made me feel better about myself that I chose children as sort of the object of this meditation. And, um, you know, because I love children and I'd love to support and nurture children, but I can't, they make me nervous. You know, I can't relate to them. Uh, I remember my friend T when I was a kid, uh, when I was a kid, when he had little kids, uh, he, one day he told me, he said, for God's sake, Jeff, just get down on the floor and play with them. Stop trying to talk to them. <laughs> so, but I was never good at that. I like them as adults now. Uh, but, um, you know, then they're having kids. Anyway, I was happy to have the kids. But here's another one that um, has really been really fun and fruitful for me. And, and really, in a way, even more, you know, brings out a little more of the, this masculine power. And that is, I, you know, last week I did the review of the movie Dunkirk, you know, where there's this great rescue that we're, you know, hundreds of thousands of soldiers are rescued off the beach by these small boats who travel across the English Channel to rescue them as they're surrounded by the Germans. And so what I imagine is that I am, again, not pumping iron at the Colorado Athletic Club, but I am in the hold of one of these ships and I am pushing or pulling or pumping, I'm, you know, pedaling some contraption that is helping us make our way to the soldiers on the beach who need saving. And there's a line of soldiers next to me who are ready to take their place. And there's a whole thing going on. And it's so delicious. I mean, it's funny that that kind of an anxiety situation uh, heals my anxiety of working out. I mean, it's gone. I mean, I am, I am there. I am where I need to be. I am doing what I need to be doing. I'm doing it for them. Every pump, I, 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 I am feeling it, that every pump is taking me one foot closer, taking the ship, one ship, step closer to saving these men. And, um, you know, it's a wonderful wonderful thing. I mean, I, I end my workouts and I don't always remember to do this. This is a, you know, this is a practice. It's not about getting it perfect. It's about being faithful to the practice. And, you know, this morning I did it, it was, you know, remarkable again. And, um, and so, you know, I end these workouts with, you know, not just having worked out my body, but, uh, but it actually having done a spiritual practice. And I do feel um, 
more connected. And I do feel a little less solid, a little less, uh, you know, a, a subject working in this world of objects and I have to protect myself and I have hard boundaries. And, uh, you know, that is, you know, uh, the, the fruit of that is that by imagining myself uh, being part of a healthy functioning community that's doing meaningful work uh, and being a decent, you know, helpful part of that enables me to do my work with more humility and a more of a heart of service, you know, and, and also a strength and confidence. Again, it all becomes appropriate. It's all obvious. I'm not breathing or trying or finding it. It's there. So I recommend this as an integral practice and try it and let me know what you think. All righty. So um, any questions or sure. Cor Corey, anything uh, yeah, let's see, going uh, on for you? Well, let's see. Um, it's, actually, it's actually an inspiring talk, Jeff, because as I told you before the call, I've been sick for the last few days. Yeah. And anytime I get sick, there's that sort of internal pressure that builds. It's like, man, when I'm on the other side of this, I'm going to get so healthy, you know? And there's right. always like a very small window of opportunity to actualize that, you know? It's like I've got about 48 hours after I feel better to like start a new habit. Right. Um, I thought what you, were, what you were saying was really interesting. And, you know, I, I, I sort of um, was looking at it from a couple different angles. One, I, I wonder if your approach here you know, it's, it's a nice compliment to the, the approach that like Rob McNamara and Sean Phillips teach, which is focused intensity practice, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, you are really almost meditating on the burn. You are, yep. you are, you know, bringing super laser focus to, uh, you know, the mechanics, to the movement, to the pains and the sensations and all of that in hopes of sort of popping you out on the other side into, into more of a witness consciousness. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's just, you know, that, if I may, just, it's just good. It's what you do in, in meditation in general, you know, the, right. the fly lands on your face and you feel the itch and that's you right. don't scratch it and you penetrate and you find that actually an itch uh, reveals itself to be something other than an itch. That's right. You know, it's, right. it, it, you know, you get into this one taste situation right. where you can actually transmute pain. Right. Yeah, totally. And what I'm wondering, Jeff, is whether there's sort of a typological or maybe just dispositional aspect to this where, um, you know, there's a certain type of person for whom a more focused approach, you know, it sort of, it reminds me of, you know, Rob Smith often says, um, you know, when you're bringing the witness consciousness to the intensity of a workout, you know, one of the, one of the common refrains that he repeats to himself is pain don't hurt. And, yeah. you know, what he's looking at is pain yeah. in the upper right versus right hurt in the upper left, which right is sort on. of, you know, uh, it's, it's sort of like when Ken says, you know, hurts more, bothers you less. There's sort of, you know, when you bring that witness consciousness, but that can be a challenge for some people. And I'm, I'm one of those people. So what I've noticed in, in my workouts is, you know, I was really into running for a while. Um, and I was doing it, you know, every other day and I was getting, you know, running was always my least favorite practice. And I got to a point in my own life and my own sort of frustrations that I felt like I need to conquer something I hate, you know, something I really loathe. Yeah. I need yes. to master and yes. for me, I was running. And I was like, well, I'm just going to start getting out there and running. And I, you know, I would play all these different kind of mind games. Like you were sort of putting on different, you know, sort of ways of, of relating to the workout. 
And, you know, what worked really well for a while was really aggressive music that was, you know, sort of timed, you know, the BPM was matching sort of my, my pace and, and that was great. But I, I started trying some other things too, which was, um, putting on, I'm, I'm really big with music, right? Music is, is, has always been sort of a, a big release for me. So I would try putting on more mellow music. So I would try running to like a really mellow Pink Floyd album or something like that. Hmm. And what I noticed was it would take me further. I would sort of tap into this more field awareness yes. where my body running down the road was just one of many sensations yes. and it worked better for me. Yes. Well, you yeah. broke that personal boundary. Yeah, that's right. You that's right. softened into, you know, yep. more connection to the space. It's the same thing when I'm on, you know, our, our elliptical machine. If I'm looking at the time, you know, I'll do a 20 minute workout and I'll look at the time sort of counting down. If I'm actually looking at that clock, I'm in hell, right? Mm-hmm. That's oh. suffering. It's just like, I, because, yeah. because it's, you know, you can't, you can't easily achieve that. You know, when Ken talks about, he has this one really great pointing out instruction where one of the, one of the lines is, um, my consciousness is not in my body. My body is in my consciousness. Well, there's sort of a lot of different techniques to invoke that state. And what I like about what you were talking about with, you know, the pumping water for the children and all of that was when you are, you know, you can either enact, I want to say this carefully, you know, because witness is witness never changes, obviously witness consciousness never changes, but there's different ways of enacting your relationship with witness consciousness. And it seems like oftentimes that focused intensity training approach is really leveraging, you know, like you were saying, those top two quadrants. Yeah. And what I've noticed is if I can bring in those bottom two yes. quadrants as well, it, it you know, enhances my relationship with witness in that moment. It's fuller. It's um, easier in a certain kind of sense. Totally. Yeah. It, I mean, that's me too. And, uh, I did the focused intensity with Rob. Rob and I worked together. He came to my house for a month mm-hmm. and every morning and, you know, waking up to Rob Mal- McNamara. I mean, what a treat. Uh, and and it was fantastic. No doubt about it. It helped me a lot. And it was so consonant with my meditation training, you know, about right. going towards the pain, and, you know, letting it unfold and so yep. forth. Uh, but it still didn't do what this does yeah. for yeah. me. You so know. again, that's, that's what makes me wonder, maybe this is a typological or um, dispositional sort of thing. Yeah. Some things are yeah. going to work better for you. And it's, you know, here at Integral, we want to sort of get as many tools on the table for you to pick and choose and add to your toolkit as possible. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. All righty. Well, that's, I think, good for today. I think so. Yeah. Um, and folks, uh, thank you so much for listening. It's really fun to get your comments. By the way, you can reach me at jeff at dailyevolver.com. Uh, on my website, dailyevolver.com is a speak pipe button where you can leave me a voicemail and I can get back to you that way. Or sometimes we use these on the show. And, um, uh, and of course, if you want to sign up in the fancy way where it allows you to have questions on the show live. Uh, and we have publicized that link, right, Corey? Yep. That's right. Uh, then, um, you know, you can do that too and just ask me a question or make a comment in real time. Uh, and again, uh, thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Integral life become a member of integral life people. It's worth it. And it's, it's, uh, you know, a big help and you feel like you're part of, uh, moving this thing forward and we need it all right 
Thanks, Corey. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.